everybody, and welcome to Commander Cast, episode 254. The episode's so nice, we recorded it twice. We are your weekly source for community strategy and technology, hosted on MTG Cast and our home site, CommanderCast.com. Uh, so originally, we had a foursome, and it went to a threesome, and then it didn't really work out with the shitty audio that I had going on, so now it's another threesome, but whatever, it's 2016, we're good. You know, no one judges around here at Commander Cast. So, uh, today it's gonna be Calvin and Adam, and we're gonna get down to re-talking about some of the segments, uh, that we had recorded previously. And I really hope, this just goes out to the whole audience, I really hope that, that the audio is okay on this. So, I'm trying something new, folks. So if anything sounds a little untoward, please let me know in the comments, cause this is, we're, Crossing our fingers and kind of casting down into the void here. So, first off, let's start with Calvin. We're not going to do favorite commanders anymore, Calvin. Uh, so we're just going to do some intros. Calvin, for the person who has been on this cast the longest, literally for years. But this might be someone's very first commander cast. Who are you, sir? For any individuals out there who are currently listening to this particular episode of Commander Cast and has no clue who I am, my name is Calvin. I'm also known as Captain Redzone around the internet, and normally you can find me playing red and boros tile decks all over the place. I play aggressively, I play fire, I burn stuff, I intend on doing all types of damage. My goal is just to get life totals as low as possible. Do I win all of my games? No. But my damn, my damn it, my games do win quickly, because typically there's nobody there at a certain point. Because if they try to dirt around too much, normally I, I just kill people. And fire and brimstone and all of that other stuff and uh, uh long live iros there we go yeah he's like a, a cute lovable pyro people what's not to love about that well, it's not like i'm a pyromaniac or anything like that it's not like i'm completely You're like a pyro enthusiast I'm, I, yeah i'd go with more like of an enthusiast okay. I, uh, it's like i enjoy a good burning and i enjoy divvying out a good burning but not necessarily everything has to burn. I mean, things can be beaten and bludgeoned as well. Yeah. You're not going to be like uh, Donald Sutherland in um, Backdraft? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm, I'm glad that you guys let's, caught let's, that. Let's, let's, so. If you, you've caught on to what Mark is saying, shoot us a email. <laughs> oh, come on, man. I know I'm old, but Backdraft? We're all about the same age. You know? That's a real. Here, yeah. on the call. <laughs> well, that's, that's true. Never mind. But you, you did just make a backdraft reference like it was a Star Wars reference. Like, yeah, everybody's seen this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright, alright, point taken. Whatever. I don't know. I think it was the best. Is it William Baldwin? Whatever the other Baldwin brother was, that was like his best movie. Like, me personally, I just marked them as blank Baldwin because I don't really <laughs> keep up with the individual. There's too many of them. Too many Baldwins. Yeah. Guys. Fuckers breed like, like rabbits. I see the word Baldwin. I'm like, okay, I don't really care which one you are. That's just- true. There's a big, there's like a steep drop off after Alec. So, I get that. Yeah, but the other ones seem to just constantly find little ways to like worm their ways into, they're kind of like the, um, the mirror, you know? It's like you, it's like they exist. You know they're there. They have a chair at the table. Yet somehow you never really, you know, get the full value of what they're doing. Yeah, they're probably gonna like, I don't know, pop up up in like a cult, or I expect maybe they'll pop up in a YouTube video, kind of like, um, oh god, Randy, what's his name? 
Oh. Or Randy Jackson. <laughs> Wasn't thinking Jackson, but that's, that's alright. What the hell? Um, I think now's about a good, good time as any to, to segue on. So, Adam, who are you? What do you do? Introduce yourself to the listeners, man. For those of you who might be turning in, tuning in for the first time, uh, or any time, I'm Adam. And, uh, you've never heard from me before on this, on this podcast. So, uh, I, you may have seen me around the internet on Tapped Out a few years ago as Squire One. Uh, just big time commander enthusiast. Uh, mostly kind of Johnny. Uh, big fan of Blue. Sorry. There's nothing guys. wrong with that. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, hey, this is no judgment podcast. So we leave that for the comment section. All right. So moving on. Um, before we get out of the intro segment, I just want to remind everybody about our Patreon, all the cool things we're doing on YouTube. Um, with you, uh, Rachel's alpha build, and uh, you can hit us up on Reddit as well. We also have a Facebook page, but I never go there, so I really hope someone is maintaining that. Calvin, yes. can you confirm or deny Facebook status? Like people uh, are updating that, right? People are updating it. So yes, uh, Facebook does have its uh, have a status update. There's Rachel over there. There's Clay. You can typically find myself over there strolling around every so often in the blue moon just to make sure nothing's caught on fire in the process of me not being there. Sweet. Uh, let's see. Any other things? Now I think we're good. I'm glad we circled back around to that fire reference. Um, yeah, it's just like the pyromaniac friendly uh, podcast today. Sweet. Pyroman. I'm just a friendly neighborhood pyroman. Sweet. All right. So we're going to take a break and go play with some lighters out in an alley. Uh, when we come back, it's time for our community segment. This week, we're going to do a free-for-all roundtable, How to Fix Arch Enemy. I think uh, number one on the suggestion list might be to burn all the copies of Arch Enemy. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. I just, I'm just saying, it's a, it's a solution. I'm not saying it's the one we pick. Right. We're going with the theme. Like, there's plenty of ways to deal with this particular problem. Not necessarily saying all of them don't involve destruction of the actual product of itself, but <laughs> in just kind of forgetting it exists. Alright, community this week is free for all roundtable. How to fix Arch Enemy. Alright, ladies and gents. Um, yeah, Arch Enemy, it's a, it, it could have been a good idea, I guess. I think it's one of those, um, definitely look better in the planning phase than when it, it hits store shelves. So. so, so what do we think the actual problem is with it? Do we think that it's that the product was actually poorly designed, or do we think that just that mode of play is bad? That's a good I question. Like, <laughs> if I had to make a choice between the two, I'm going with the mode of play. The way okay. the actual format played is what causes it to have its issues. Yeah, I'll second that. Right. Well, the reason why I would say like the mode of play is the problem, though, is because like Arch Enemy is one of those formats where. Um, well, just to give a quick rundown of what the basic concept of format is, for any listeners that don't know what it is, Arch Enemy. There are four players, or, you know, one person and a group of other people. And it's basically a three-on-one format, mostly. One player gets a deck, he builds it, and he has a deck next to him of Arch Enemy cards. 
these cards allow the player to be able to have a chance at beating the other three. The other three take a turn simultaneously, and it's their goal to defeat the arch enemy. So basically, if you know anything about like the recent like Opening Gatewatch or Eldritch Moon, pretty much your Emrakul and your opponents are the Gatewatch group. It's their job to find some way to conceal or break you down. And it's your goal to defeat all of them. And right. Arch Enemy, and then, you know, there's other little rules where it's like the Arch Enemy gets like a certain amount of like mana or uh, life total equal to number of players and other little niches and stuff. But we're not really talking about that. Sure, sure. I don't know if we need to get into the minutia of it. Um, but going back to what Adam said. So, all right. So Calvin broke it down for us. What is the problem with this mode of play? Yeah, I mean, like, it's interesting because I, I think that what people probably have an issue with is balancing. Like, you're either going to have situations where your group has kind of, like, fine-tuned and, like, really good decks and defeating the arch enemy is super simple all the time, or you have a situation where, you know, it's maybe much more casual and, you know, you don't have, like, highly you know, spiky or, or, you know, try-hard decks, and you get just rolled over by the arch enemy all the time, uh, which is feel bad in every way, right? I mean, whenever somebody gets 3 v one casually, uh, everybody hates that situation. So maybe it's just kind of an innately poor idea in that it's just telling people to gang up on someone. Now, see, I understand what you're saying, Adam, but... It's funny, I dislike Arch Enemy quite a bit, but when you take that player out and let make me, like, make it into Horde, I love Horde, and Horde is essentially, like, Arch Enemy, if you think about it. Like, you've but, taken the big player out, and it's just an automated Horde deck, but you still have, like, most of the time when I play Horde, it's probably like a three on, three versus the Horde deck, right. you know? Yeah. And that makes for a fun game. I mean, one of these days we'll eventually get around to the Horde episode and, and talking about how much I love that. Uh, you know, Billy's but been... that's because... Oh, go ahead. With, yeah, with the Horde, though, remember that the, the Horde is never going to feel bad. So, like, if you guys all roll over the Horde, you know, like, e- either way you do it, you know, even if the, the Horde beats all of you, that all happened together. Your entire playgroup had fun either winning or losing together. Mm-hmm. This way, you either have three people feeling great about beating the crap out of one person, or one person feeling great about feeling beating the crap out of three people. So there, there's always like an innate disparity. Like there's not, you know, there's a lot of politicking and, and back and forth when you have multiple players just all free for all. But when you have a gang up type situation against an actual person, I wonder if it just becomes personal. Hmm. That's interesting. Calvin, what do you think? Well, the thing that I see for Arch Enemy being the main issue that I think is the problem with it isn't the fact that it's 3v1. Because if it's the fact of a 3v1 concept that annoys the players or makes the format bad, then, like, you know, other games and other genres of games out there that have become popular in recent days wouldn't exist. Like, so, say, for instance, the main reason why this topic was something that I had kind of thought would probably be of interest was because of a recent game called uh, uh, Dead by Daylight and the recent fascination of an upcoming game for Friday the 13th. And you're talking about, like, asymmetrical multiplayer? I think that's the the funky term. Yeah, and it's basically, it's like, you know, like, it's a multiplayer game, but it's, like, one person, and they're the killer or the monster or the villain or whatever the case may be, and the other individuals that's in that particular 
group already are all on the same team trying to find a way to either escape the killer or stop. Hmm. Right? So That's it was just like the concept of like 1v1, like 1v3 that kind of made the game bad and these other games went in popular. I mean, you know, if you go to YouTube, I'm pretty sure you can find plenty of people that are online currently like making videos playing these 1v3 games. Sure, yeah, they they just rebooted Evolve, I think. That was the latest big triple-player, uh, asymmetrical multiplayer shooter, however you want to say it. I think yeah. I just got more fucking PR speak in that last sentence than uh, <laughs> I have in the last month. Holy shit. Uh, um, yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, cause, so it's obviously it's something that people are interested in. Mm-hmm. But in Magic, for some reason, when we when we make it uh, our genemy, doesn't work. But if we make the concept back four, it works. So there's got to be something there that's causing it to be the issue outside of it just being the group people. And my view for it is, is the fact that with the horde, you have options of beating the horde deck. Typically for the horde deck, it's the, you have to beat the horde by killing all the monsters on the field or destroying or killing Xenagos because no other, other characters are on the field or just flat out just waiting until you can get to the last card of the horde deck so the horde deck is done. You know, there's, like, other, like, stipulations and rules for each four deck, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, but with Arch Enemy, you don't really get that, because the end result... With Arch Enemy, you don't get that, because with Arch Enemy, the end result is it's always the... These three people have to kill this player, period. Yeah. I think I'm with Calvin on this. I think now's a good time to talk about, like, solutions to Arch Enemy. My solution, I think what Calvin said, too, it, my solution is just make it into Horde. Like the the yeah. horde decks that that came out with Theros, those things were a ton of fun. Um, I really liked them. In fact, the, the it was I it was funny. The one that was closest to like zombie horde, which I think it was just like the Minotaur horde. That was mm-hmm. super. Bo- that was pretty boring. But like the one where you had to kill the Hydra, or like when Calvin just said you had to go against Xenagos, that was really cool. I mean that that product came out of nowhere. Like, I don't even know what that was. There was like a little bit of hype. I saw like a a little kiosk or whatever you want to call it like in my local game store where you could play it during the release and the pre-release like but that was it. Do it in the corner yeah it was just like it came and went <laughs> i'm like man that was awesome so i hope yeah. they do that again that's I, that's my either either way that you look at it um i think that the solution is to to move more towards a horde type of situation um but an additional way to to help it i think is I mean, have you guys looked through the Arch Enemy, like the the decks that came with it lists recently? Uh, not uh, recently. recently, but because I was just looking through them, and uh, if something was hurting their sales on that thing, uh, it might be it the absolute bad. garbage that they reprinted for it. <laughs> there was some some hot trash. <laughs> I mean, um, like I can't find much like other than a Thran Dynamo. That was my, that was my card! That was my favorite card from Arch Enemy until they just recently reprinted it. Was the Thran Dynamo with like the silver background. Exactly. Yeah, that doesn't really, uh, bode well for your format when that's the best card in it. Yeah, when you, when you've got, uh, four decks of 60 cards each with their own 10 card giant board, like, Arch Enemy theme deck next to them. And the best card that people can remember is a silver background Grand Dynamo or something. Right. Like that. <laughs> yep. Exactly. I mean, so I think that's part of the, part of the problem was that I think it's a supplemental product that they kind of phoned in. Because if you, if you did something, I mean, it may, maybe it would even get more interesting for, at least for some flavor people out there, if they did some kind of more theming 
with it, and the Arch Enemy deck was actually like, I am Nickel Bolas. And everybody else has to take down Bolas, and everything was very themed toward that. Mm -hmm. I think that could at least be somewhat more interesting. Um, They did an interesting thing. Does anybody remember, like, I think it was the second iteration of Duels the Planeswalkers? They had an Arch Enemy, like, mode. Like, you can play regular, whatever. And that sucked, too. (laughs) Yeah. Damn. You know, see, the thing for the Arch Enemy mode one, though, that I enjoyed was basically when I just played against it as opposed to trying to be the Arch Enemy. Yes. Because it basically that was a lot became, because it basically became like a digital version of Horde. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which is funny because, I mean, there are actually a couple other, like, non-magic games that play similarly to Horde. Like, uh, I've, I've said it before, but Lord of the Rings board, or Lord of the Rings card game, rather, the living card game by, uh, Fantasy Flight plays mm-hmm. an awful lot like that. Um, and it, there's a couple of those things, like, there's a lot of other interesting things that other card companies have been doing. I mean, yeah, I don't like, want to speak okay, heresy even, um, against the even, uh, what was it, uh, 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 what was that? Uh, World of Warcraft? They had a card game, and their card game had, uh, it was basically a horde deck as well. And it was based on like one of the big mythical like dragons of the game. And in order to beat it, you had to like beat it like three times in a row. Because hmm. there would be like, yeah, there was this dragon, but if you killed the dragon instead of like beating the first version of it, it just kind of pissed it off, and it would just kind of like level up into a slightly bigger, more dangerous dragon with with uh, different types of abilities. That's cool. And you're still playing the same dragon. You have to go through all three stages of this monster in order to get the actual win. And, that's you know, it's sweet. One, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, like, it's not like this is something that hasn't been done before, and it's not like this mm-hmm. is something that can't be done correctly for Wizards. My view for it is, like, you know, like, I just look at Arch Enemy as this is a format that they have. They botched it the first time. Yep. It's more, it's the, like, yes, they didn't put a, the right decks to go with it. They do have their Arch Enemy thing, but the rules that they put around for it didn't really mesh too well for what people wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And it caused all these feel bad moments of people not wanting to play it. Because it's either A, you are the arch enemy and you completely trouch everybody in like two or three turns because everything's just so damn broken. Yeah. Or you just don't get going. And next thing you know, you're basically sitting there while your three friends beat the hell out of you. Yeah. I mean, I think this, this kind of speaks to like a, I don't want to say the blinders that Watsi has on, but they don't seem to look at what other people in the same business are doing. You know, like they've, they've said before that like, oh, well, you know, we don't really look at what Hearthstone is doing. Like, yeah, you're right. Why would you look at the most popular digital product in years? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's, it's, it's crazy. It's a good um, thing Hearthstone is looking at what they're doing. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> they're like, oh, this is easy to fix. Just don't make a shitty format and a shitty online component, a shitty client. Awesome. Um, yeah, you know, what Calvin was saying too, I think, um, like with beating an enemy over and over again, there was from from one of the Lord of the Rings uh, games that I that I play. Obviously, there was a cool mode one time. I mean, all of it's kind of like based in the Lord of the Rings universe. And there was there was one where you couldn't beat the main enemy. It was like you were you were literally you were a scout from Gondor. You were running away from from some of the ring wraiths, mm. and uh, you just had to get to Gondor. You know, like, you just had to get the fuck out of there. If you stopped, or if you didn't get, you know, if you didn't progress fast enough through these stages, you would just die. Like, an option to turn and fight was never there. You were just gonna die. Um, and I think that would have been cool, like, if they had taken that idea, and, like, imagine if you were, like, a scout, like, running away from the Eldrazi, 
you know, on Zendikar or on Innistrad. You know, like, you just had to get back to wherever you were to warn, I don't know, the Gate Watchers. Something, I don't know, you know, make up whatever narrative you want to make. You know, you're running away from a huge tentacle monster. That would have been pretty cool, you know? Right. Maybe you're just yeah, you could like, turn it into, like, a survival mode kind of thing. Yeah. You know, like, and, and that kind of thing, I think, would have been really neat. And that would have been a truly supplemental product, you know? It's like, hey, you can put this out alongside, you know, Eldritch Moon. And it would have had just, like, a, a nice little extra bit of flavor. I just don't think that they're interested in that, sadly. Like, I don't think Watsi sees the, the value in doing that. I think they just figure they're top dog and, like, fuck it. You know, people are going to buy packs anyway. Right, that's funny. It's just one of those things where it's like, Horde is a format that can be fixed and it can be taken care of. And it could be amazing if done correctly. And, you know, I personally have several ideas for how we could do that. And one of my main ideas is like, okay, for when we first got the Arch Enemy, we had four decks, right? Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I would have gone with the, yes, each deck has the same primary rules, like, you know, one player versus three players. Here's the life total adjustments and all the little, like, you know, niche things that we need to make each deck play correctly. But since it's four different decks and four different arch enemies, each deck should have had its own secondary supplementary, like, challenges or rules to them. Interesting. Can you so, think of an example, Calvin? Like say, like, say, for instance, one of them, I believe, was uh, uh, build the machines or build the, the, uh, the oh, doom yeah, machines. Oh, yeah, yeah, Like, like assemble your dark machine right. or whatever the hell it was? Yeah, whatever that deck title was. Like, yeah. uh, if you look it up, I'm pretty sure you'll find it. But it was mostly artifact creatures and a whole bunch of, like, schemes and arch enemy cards that, that basically allowed to... Right. And that's the one that Thrawn Dynamo was in, which is why I remember it so well. But still... <laughs> Like, if that deck itself had, instead of, like, trying to kill the player, the arch enemy basically had, like, a win condition where if the arch enemy can assemble this combo, the arch enemy automatically wins, and it's your job to stop them. Oh, that could be That's, interesting. That would be would really sweet. That. Yeah. Like, and stop like, them from if, assembling station yeah. combo. Right. Yeah, and, you know, like, alt-win condition, I mean, even if it's epic struggle, like, if the arch enemy has, you know, 30 creatures out, they win. Or, you know, like... Yeah. Right. And, and in that case, it becomes more of the, you have to find a way to prevent them from reaching this particular goal, as opposed to just killing the arch enemy outright by taking his life totals from, like, 60 to zero. That's or, really like, cool. the other one that was, like, uh, I think it was, like, uh, uh, destruction of nature or fight with nature. It was all, like, natural. It was, it was the green version of the arch enemy deck. Hmm. If that one, if the horde deck there had, like, some type of, Let's just say, let's say the deck, um, if it were, let's just say retroactively, I don't remember it exactly, but let's just say the deck is green and red, right? It becomes the arch enemy's deck's goal to take everything from you and turn it into some type of a creature or some type, some form of nature. Mm -hmm. And if the arch enemy takes X number of permanents from you, they automatically win. Hmm. So this way it's like, so this way it's like, oh yeah, I could, the arch enemy deck has a arch enemy card that targets target player and converts target creature into a dryad and the arch enemy gains control of it and it's a zero one or, mm -hmm. or whatever. Now so the arch cool enemy idea. has a way of actually winning without actually killing you and you have another way of trying to stop them. But you All know, right. just, just kind of like, like these little niche little side rules for each individual deck. Because with the horde decks, when the horde decks came out, each one, you know, played, played like horde. It was a horde deck, but each one had their own specific little niche side rules, like the mm -hmm. Hydra. You kill a Hydra right. head, the Hydra deck gets a chance to grow two more heads for each head to die. 
for the Xenogod deck, yeah, you have to destroy Xenogod, but he's automatically on the field, and you can't kill him until all of his creatures are gone. So, you know, some type of, like, stipulation, slight change in the alteration of the rules for each individual arch enemy deck would have allowed each player to kind of, like, have a variety of ways to play the actual game. As opposed we're, to just, like, the typical, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to beat you and take your life points to zero. Well, that was fun. Let's try that again. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, or you could even do something a little bit more simplistic that actually were already happens in the community. I mean, there's a variant that my group plays that's, uh, I, I don't even know what it's called, but like, there's different roles that you have. Like, there's a king who's essentially the arch enemy. He gets more cards. He gets more life, etc. Uh, some people, it's their role to help him. Some people, they're trying to kill him. Some people, they're trying to kill the world, you know, and, and blow up everything. Uh, and, and those roles are so, like, concisely defined that you don't even have to have, like, you know, like, assemble the giant contraption. It's just, your job is to kill the king, your job is to keep the king safe, your job is to kill everybody, you know? And, and then you could still give the, the king some kind of, like, deck of cards. Now, I mean, it obviously couldn't be as strong as, you know, Arch Enemy. And also, all those roles are hidden other than the king also, so there's a lot of politicking going on to figure out who everybody is. Um, which which so, is understandable, but in the same token, like say for instance, if like the arch enemy actually, because you could take that concept for that particular like variant you have and include it into an arch enemy deck, because mm-hmm. you could have an arch enemy who basically has his deck and it's his goal to convert the non-believer. Let's yeah. just say it's like a white black deck or whatever, and it has its arch enemy cards and it comes with like I don't know like three face down cards or whatever the case may be, and it discern and you get to determine which one of your enemies that's on the other side is forced to join your side as the arch enemy and if you get all of the opponents to join you you automatically win and yeah, by like getting some, that it's yeah, like you know, you win them. now it's, yeah now it's like their job to help you win by converting the other ones or defeating the other ones one way or the other yeah, that would totally be fun all right gentlemen does anyone have any last minute thoughts on how to fix arch enemy i think we gave watsy some good solutions so well, gentlemen in r&d get on it yeah, Watsy, just uh, print a horde deck and print that horde deck with actual relevant cards that everybody wants reprinted. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean, hey, Thrawn Dynamo is pretty awesome, but... I mean, it is, but... It is. Yeah, you probably need more... So what's that ratio? One out of... Is that 240 cards? This is like uh, 460 card decks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 142 listings, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's... um. That's not so hot, Watsy. That's a there's, a there's a path in there too. So let's okay, yeah, okay. So two, yeah, two. So that yeah. one mean, for seventy. If, yeah. Even if you were like a kindergartner playing t-ball, that's a shitty bad egg. <laughs> I'm, just, yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, like it, it's time to switch sport. Yep. Yep. Um, but all right. Uh, on that theme, it's time to switch topics too. So we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back with strategy. Strategy this week, we're going to talk about the best discard slash hand disruption strategies. So we'll be right back. Best discard strategy is magic because you discard your own stuff and then you decide what you actually want to bring back. I like so that madness. Would, that would, you know, I don't care if they, I don't care what he's throwing away. 
I want to make sure that I'm tossing away this thing to my mad prophet so I can get a chance to get it back and give me some, give me some sick, sick burns. This week on Strategy, best discard slash hand disruption strategies. Um, in the break, uh, Calvin is telling us about uh, his love for Hellbent. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna not talk about like, like Hellbent my, my, here. My passionate, overwhelming <laughs> love. Yeah. So we're not gonna we're not gonna do that. We don't need to rehash that around. I'm sure they'll make it into a dangly or two. Um, so, gentlemen. When you just want to strip all the cards unmercifully from your opponent's hands, uh, what do you like to do? Uh, play Sadistic Hypnotist always and forever. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this is probably like Sadistic Hypnotist strategy. Yeah. If you find other cards, yeah, if you find other cards that synergize with that, put that in that deck. And that should be the only thing you tutor for with all of your ten black tutors. Go get that and then make people discard things a lot. There we go. Yep. So remember folks, Nath of the Guilt Leaf and then Sadistic Hypnotist. Ooh. And just keep going. So See, I keep forgetting about Nath of the Guilt Leaf until like <laughs> someone actually brings them up and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. You were a legend creature, weren't you, bastard? Mm-hmm. So for so for those people who might not know the love that is Sadistic Hypnosis, it is three colorless, two black for a human minion, two two. So five for a two two. I understand it's not that great, but when you sacrifice a creature, uh, target player discards two cards. You can only activate that at sorcery speed. So, but you can do it as many times as you'd like. So if you have something like that makes a lot of tokens, you know, you're probably going to be able to wipe out most of your group's hand, which is very good. And something like Nath, which does make tokens, which I'm bringing up now. Oh, I got this one. You got it? Uh, Nath of the Guilt Leaf is a 4-4 four, four for 5, so I guess slightly better on the power curve. Uh, he's three colorless, one black, one green. Legendary creature, Elf Warrior. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may have target opponent discard a card at random. And then whenever an opponent discards a card, you may put a 1-1 green elf warrior creature token into play, which is what makes him besties with sadistic hypnotists. Yeah. Basically, every turn, (laughs) no more cards. Yep. This is like how to lose friends and badly influence people. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... I think that might be the only strategy, though, for actually doing... I mean, there's. I think there's a place in EDH for some level of targeted discard, you know, like a Raven's Crime or something like that. If you know what somebody has drawn and you're trying to uh, get very specific pieces out of people's hands or if they've just tutored or something like that, you know, and, and you're trying to, you know, either, you know, use like an Inquisition on them or a... Uh, Thought seize or something like that to get very specific pieces out of their hand. I don't actually think it's bad, but I think discard as an overall strategy, uh, is not amazing. Yeah. I mean, we went over it last time, but, you know, just to talk quickly about some of the wing cons. I mean, you have what? McGrim, Liliana's yeah. Caress, Blood Chief Ascension, and Waste Nut. 
Yeah, and Waste Not. And then that's pretty much it, like a steep drop-off after yeah. that. And those are just cards that simply convert um, discarding cards or lack of cards into damage. But it's very low damage. So mm. Yeah, the only, the only deck I've ever built with this is based off a deck, and uh, I'll link it in the show notes, that I built along with an article that I wrote on Tapped Out in January 15, it looks like, um, where I built a cow-cow deck. Which, if you don't know what Cow Cow does, basically five mana for, uh, I think three, three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can tap him to make target player discard two cards. And you have to do it, like, in the attack step before they attack. I don't know. It's, it's weird. Yep. Uh, but. That's one of those weird ones that has the wording, like, you can only do this after you've already done this item of yeah, non-relevant. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those things that, that makes decks like this such, such a pain in the ass. Like, one of my favorite discard cards is, um, oh god, I just had it up here a second ago. Uh, Augur of Skulls. So, like, Augur of Skulls is, is a two mana, one one, uh, that just has sacrifice Augur of Skulls, target player discards two cards, but like, oh no, we can't make you do that anytime. You can only play this <laughs> ability during your upkeep. Like, really? Yeah. Like, okay? Like, if I could just make you do it at instant speed, is that, like, the worst thing ever? You already fucking printed Nath and the Hypnotist. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Let me do it during my fucking main phase. I mean, Shit. it would be nice if they, if they had, you know... I, I'd like to see a deck like this actually come out in one of the uh, one of the Commander Precons, where they actually tried to focus on, you know, and put Just some of those win cons that you talked about in there, but, uh, you know, actually built some new, like, support cards that were actually good, mm-hmm. you know? Like, Make some commanders that are more like, you know, susceptible or, you know, gain more abilities due to mm-hmm. the number of people who have no cards in hand or something. Yeah. Right. And then it would immediately lose to the Hellbent deck. <laughs> Obvious. What doesn't lose to the Hellbent deck? Obviously the Boros deck doesn't lose to the Hellbent deck. Well, Fair enough. <laughs> Alright, maybe. There we go. I mean, the, the other route that you could go, especially with all the support that it just recently got, is you could do a Madness deck where you had kind of the symmetrical effects like Bottomless Pit and Cunning Leftomancer and things like that, where everybody is discarding cards, including yourself, but you're actually able to benefit from it because you're playing a lot of Madness cards, so that's a possibility. Yeah, you know, I, I, the more I think about this, the more I come back around to what you said, Adam. Like, this is a supplementary strategy. Like, when I play it, I usually play it to feed, like, uh, some filthy dredge effects that I'm doing. And, like, that's, I think, the correct move. Because otherwise, it is just, like, you're just pinging people for two. Or yeah. you're making the Nath Hypnotist combo and you just lost all your friends. So, I don't feel like there's a whole lot of in-between there. You know, it would it's be cool true. to see some more design space. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a lot of design space there. I, I mean, I think they have to do it in the supplemental products because, you know, if you make discard too good, then limited formats can become very grueling. I mean, because even, like, a mind... What is it? Mind Rot? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's even playable in, like, Sealed or, you know, something sure. like that. Um, but completely unplayable in this format. So something that, like, would be a little bit more EDH-specific designed might be might be helpful. Yeah. And, oh like, the main thing for... Like, this this is a note that I just kind of want to touch on from what we were saying a little bit earlier about how, like, this card typically works better when you're doing it to yourself. Hmm. And the main reasoning behind it from the way I can perceive it is this. If I'm sitting at a table and I'm playing against Mark and Adam, the first thing I do is I cast a discard spell and I target Mark. 
I have no idea what the hell he's discarding. I have no idea what type of deck he's playing. I have no idea exactly what's going on until his commander's been flipped over. So at this point, it's the if he's playing a graveyard deck, I'm not hurting him, I'm helping him. If he's playing a deck and he's discarding cards that I don't really know about or anything, it doesn't really help me. And now Adam has two opponents who basically just lost two cards. Because yeah. I because I caused myself a card by discarding something to get rid of something Mark played. And now Mark is down a card, but Adam's still perfectly fine. And even if I went symmetrical and all three of us ended up doing something, we're still in the same scenario, basically, where the game started. Only difference is, is that now I have no idea what Adam or Mark had. Did I hit their big creature? Did I just help them? I have no clue. But if I'm using the discard against myself, and I'm building a discard deck against myself, and I'm causing myself to discard, I know what I'm getting rid of. I know why I'm doing it. I know what I want in the graveyard, and I know right. what madness creatures or madness spells I'm attempting to cast. So it just works better when doing it against your own deck, which makes it more supplementary because now it's the, yeah, I can discard, but now I have to think about what in my deck am I doing now that I've gotten rid of everything in my hand. I just took away my own one resource with my own in exchange for another one, what am I getting out of it? And unless what I'm getting out of it is good or something that I can use to kind of uh, balance out or improve the fact that I just basically threw two cards out of my hand, then it's not worth it. Yeah, I mean, I guess the other problem is similar to what Calvin was saying, you know, maybe helping out your opponents. There's a lot of graveyard strategies in here. So, I mean, unless you're planning on dedicating probably 10 cards in your deck to grave hate, you know, like, you could be helping half your table. You know, there's so many good EDH recursion strategies that you're probably going to be helping at least one person at the table, if not more. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, we've said it a bunch of times, going back to, like, the beginning of Commander Cast, the beginning of Commander as a format, like, a lot of people just treat your graveyard as an extension of their library. Yep. Like, if I'm playing a dredge deck, I my biggest goal is to get half my library into my graveyard anyway. So, yeah, it's a good point. Um, just to wrap up, does anybody have any last points before we move into technology? No, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see a build, you know, other than that, which we we are pretty sure can work, but I'd, li- I'd like to see a build that is actually, like, Highly functional that discards, but I I haven't seen one yet. Yeah, no, not commander. But if hey, they, like, I have no problem that they decide to make it into a commander deck. Absolutely. Like if, if the if of the upcoming five decks that we have, one of them is just based around like discarding everything and getting advantage out of it. Perfectly fine. Doesn't mess up limited. Won't mess up standard. Only form as it kind of messes with is legacy, but legacy is legacy, so can't really argue with them. And just Legacy to, gets, like, to, two new cards a year, so whatever. Yeah, just to troll the world, they have to do it with the new commander that's not black. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a red discard deck would actually be pretty cool. It would be all right, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm the guy who runs, like, a red reanimator deck with Felden. And that, that deck is a lot of fun. Like, a bunch of wheel effects and just, like, reanimating, like, I guess they're cyborgs? Because they're not really reanimating. You're just like making artifacts out of dead shit. I guess that's a cyborg. I don't know. That's weird. Felden, you need to get like a girlfriend or something, man. Um, but yeah, like, like, that was a problem. That's what you say. That was started. right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, don't make yourself a girlfriend. Just like go on meet somebody. You know, there's a lid for every pot. Not like literally like a cyborg dead lid of your wife. That shit's not healthy. Um. <laughs> I want to get a plane. You know what? That's actually a good uh, uh, a good way to make money. I can easily see a planeswalker coming up with like an e harmony, like for the multi. 
<laughs> All right. Um, yeah, that's as good a time as any to uh, just walk away from this segment. Yeah, we're going to drop that, that topic like a hot rock. Um, and move into technology. So, uh, this week, uh, I know all of you, for the love of God, please stop emailing me about this. We're finally going to get to your werewolf entourage. Finally, people. All right? I know. You've been clamoring for it. This is all you've been writing me about for years now. Um, none of that is true, by the way. No, uh, but we're going to talk about actually, werewolves. I don't think any of our audience cares about a werewolf that. <laughs> yeah, no. No. But hey, we got a new werewolf commander. So we're going to go talk time. about him. Make a werewolf deck. Yeah. Right, right after we take a little break. Be back soon. I still right. totally want to see that though. <laughs> like, 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 just I'm just imagining it's like you know, and it would have to be like a blue and a black flame walker that would make type of thing with that. The I black guess. just to make the profit off of it, but like blue with to have the intelligence to come up with the idea for. It. Yeah, like I mean, I think Grixis really would be fantastic because then you could play with some of those. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then like and things like that. Yeah. You know? Oh, I thought we were still talking about like the e harmony thing. I'm talking oh. about e harmony thing. Are you? Oh. I apologize. I was back yeah. on the. Last right, come thing. on, Adam. Let's I know. Seriously, in my head, I'm envisioning it's like someone just goes online, they type in what they're interested in, like you know, like hi, I'm like Sandra of a plane. I'm from the plane of uh, uh where the hell is she from? That's coming up. Uh, uh Kaladesh, 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 yeah, Kaladesh, wherever the hell. Yeah. And you're like, I like fire and burning and brimstone. And yet, you know, somehow, you know, she's out there looking for someone who's also into that stuff. And next thing you know, you know, she's you know, got she gets, some tattoos she, gets she with, with Gaia Ballard. Yeah. You know? and then, or it's like, you know, you have a, have someone like, you know, I'm interested in a, in people who have large quantities of tension. And then like Emrakul can actually get a date. <laughs> oh man. Now we just like strangely segued back into hentai. Oh. Right? Alright, ladies and gentlemen, for technology this week, uh, we're gonna do an entourage segment on werewolves. Uh, specifically since we just got the new werewolf commander of Ulrich of the Crawlin' Horde. I think you, you have to say it like that. Um, who also turns into, uh, Ulrich Uncontested Alpha. You know, I should just read him at this point. Um, Ulrich of the Crawlin' Horde is a, uh, 4 4 for 5. He's three colorless and, uh, red and a green human werewolf. Duh. Whenever this creature enters the battlefield or transforms into Ulrich of the Crawling Horde, target creature gets plus four, plus four until end of turn. Uh, at the beginning of each upkeep, if no spells were cast last turn, transform Ulrich of the Crawling Horde. And then Ulrich Uncontested Alpha is just a werewolf. No, no human allowed in this one. He's a 6-6. Six, six. Whenever this creature transforms into Ulrich Uncontested Alpha, you have a fight target non-werewolf creature you don't control. At the beginning of each upkeep, if a player casts two or more spells last turn, transform Ulrich Uncontested Alpha. Alright, gents. So we got the top man in the top slot. Hold on. 
Oh. Before we go to my story, can you remember that one effect of when he transforms of like um, sure. fighting again? Sure. When Ulrich, or sorry, when this creature, meaning Ulrich Uncontested Alpha, transforms into Ulrich Uncontested Alpha, you may have a fight target non-werewolf creature you don't control. Hmm. Uh, all right. Like, um, there's something wrong flavor-wise there, in my opinion. But I continue. Okay. Continue. Okay. Um, well, moving on, I guess. Um, this is uh, the thing we we're clamoring for out of the original Innistrad. Now we got it. Yay. He seems pretty cool to me. I don't know. Um, yeah, but- I mean, the flavor that, like, I, I know the flavor thing you're talking about, Kelly, and it seems a little awkward, but, I mean, honestly, the only thing that really disappoints me about this card, and I think that we talked about this kind of in the break the last time that we recorded, was, why is this not Jund? So that we can play the very old school werewolves, and so there's yeah. a possibility of werewolves coming back in black in other sets and things like that. Um, I, I I feel like there's a missed opportunity there, especially since you designed this for commander players. Mm-hmm. Like, just throw the black symbol on there and call it a day. You know, they you don't even have to make any black. Yeah, what's that? They wouldn't even need to throw the black symbol on there when you just just have it when he flips over. He flips over into a red black wolf. There you go. That's per- perfect. I, yep. I would be down with that. Yep. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool, actually. I mean, they do that before with Garrick. You know, he's green exactly. on the front, green and black on the back. Yep. Right. So that way, you know, because I, it's the, I understand why they went and put the black on there, quote unquote, because the previous legend, very creatures from the various uh, creatures from original uh, Innistrad were just two colors. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I can understand. So I can understand leaving him there and wanting him to be red green. But, you know, if he just made his backside have a color identity of uh, red-black, the friend yeah. is still green-red, so you could yeah. still, you could have gotten away with it. Yeah, I think it was a, a real, like, missed opportunity. Though, if they ever go back to this plane, I would be very surprised if they don't redo this card, because there's been a lot of hate based on <laughs> I'd be this surprised design. A lot. Yeah, I guess. Um, well, anyway, gentlemen, uh, you don't get to choose your werewolf family, I guess. But you can choose your werewolf friends. That's that's the segue I'm going with. So we're just you can't, pick, you can't pick friends. Yeah, you can pick your friends and pick your nose. You can't pick your friends' nose. That's that is a way of saying it. Yeah, that's all right, man. Well, I guess that's better than the the magic slash fake we wrote over the break. So all right, <laughs> um, yeah, we're just that's the best I can say about that. So uh, let's talk about some cards to back up a a possible werewolf deck. I guess I'm kind of interested in building this now. I'm still with Adam and Calvin. Like, I wish this was Jund. Um, but I guess you, you know, do what you can. So I um, really hope somebody that I know builds this. Only because I, I want to see whether this can actually be a deck at this point or not. Or if it still needs way more support. That's a really good point. Like, yeah. Like, I don't really want to build this, but I want to see it. Like, I yep. want someone else I know... Yeah, I want someone else I know to build this. Yep. yep. There you go. So, there we go. Uh, Listeners, go build this. So, just, just from a personal standpoint, I would say that now it is possible. Okay. You think so? Have you built it, or are you just... Well, I've, I, had, I have a red-green werewolf deck that I had built on Magic Online. Because, uh, listeners, I personally say that if you're going to be building a werewolf deck, the best place to put it would be Magic Online. Because then you don't have to waste your time remembering what triggers happen. You don't have to waste your time remembering whether or not you will flip. You don't have to keep track of every little detail. The game does it for you. And if your wolves are wolves, they're wolves when they're wolves. If they're not, they're human. You don't got to bust your brain open trying to remember, oh, did you cast two spells previous turn? I was supposed to flip this guy. 
Yeah, you're not wrong. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, there you go. But um, I built the werewolf deck online just from the previous werewolves from the original um, Innistrad block. And, and it had you know, some strong it, ones. You know, it had some pretty good wolves. It worked pretty well for the online build that I had. And I would just say that all the extra wolves here just kind of just would be a little bit more support for that deck. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk about that support. Um, we'll go with Adam first. Adam, what's your first pick for a card for a werewolf deck? So my first pick is my most questionable pick. But I picked Halpack Resurgence, which is one green and two colorless for an enchantment with flash. And each creature you control that's a wolf or a werewolf gets plus one plus one and trample um the reason that i play this and air that i that i suggest this one is i did play with it some in limited it got it, it did very well in that but aside from that i mean it's a combat trick which i don't think people play enough including myself in edh because they can go very well um but it also gives them trample and a lot of these werewolves, you know, once they get to their, you know, big dumb sides, they're just kind of big dumb creatures. I mean, a lot of them are vanilla on their big dumb sides. So being able to actually get in for real damage instead of just getting chump blocked by some tokens or something is beneficial. Also, it affects wolves and werewolves. And I think as we go through this, like some of our card picks probably will be wolves, not just werewolves. Uh, I think it does lean toward that a little bit. So that is that is why I suggest that. Nice. Um, Catlin, do you have one in mind? Well, if I'm, if I'm talking about a werewolf deck, uh, I've, I've got two cards that's already on mine that I would include into the deck. One okay. of them is really on theme because it actually is a werewolf. And the other one, it doesn't have the artwork for a werewolf, but the functionality that it has, I found very intriguing and works well with the deck. Which okay. one should I go with? Um, go with the first one. Alright, so if we're going with the werewolf first, then obviously we would have to include the... Yeah. Because quite frankly, you can't play. Yeah, you can't play a werewolf deck without. In fact, Instigate the Gang is one of the very few werewolves from Innistrad that actually is so good that it makes it into multiple decks that don't even have to do it. It's one of the very few flip cards or double face cards or whatever these things are called (laughs) that I actually play. And the main reason for it is, is because you know it basically creatures you have like get plus one plus zero when they attack when it's just him on the front side. But then when he flips over into the instigator gang, I believe it gives all creatures control like plus three plus O in trance. Yes. Mm-hmm. I forget the exact details, but it's like once he's flipped over, it's like basically your deck just get, got a, got a free overrun just because someone forgot to play something. I have it up. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, go right ahead. Read it all. Uh, so it's three and one red for a two three attacking cre- uh, human werewolf on its front side. Attacking creatures you control get plus one plus zero. Oh. Then it has the werewolf flip ability on its back side. It's wild born wild blood pack, and it is a five five with trample, and it gives all attacking creatures you control get plus three plus zero. Oh. Uh, so yeah, he so it has trample. It doesn't give the trample. That's what I'm forgetting. Yeah, about. but still a five a five five. Flip. Five five, yeah. Yeah. That turns into an eight five trampler. Yeah. Not that bad. And the fact that he's giving your other guys, you know, plus three plus oh, not that bad. And you're playing red green. So if you do end up casting something that does give your other guys trample, I mean just just imagine you play this guy and he's flipped over and you have a army of wolves or whatever, let's just say it's three or four, and you're going to attack, but before you attack, you cast uh overrun. Now all your creatures charm or something. Yeah, now all your creatures are getting like basically like plus six, plus three and trample. That's pretty good. Yeah. Plus, I mean, I don't know, I would include Instigator Gang just because of the old timey art. 
Yeah. Like, it's just, no, no, nothing it, it wrong. is nice. It's wrong with some old timey boxing. <laughs> yeah, man. That's, so <laughs> That's cool. the way I defend myself. Damn straight, man. Marquise of Queensberry rules. I mean, I want this guy over to the left to be the guy in the front because I I love the like mustache beard thing that he's got going on. I forget what those are called, but a little, little mutton chop. Yeah, yeah. I kind of want know. that guy front and center, but yeah, the yeah. art is nice. There is nothing better than like some Civil War era beards slash must like when you can't tell like what the sideburns like where the sideburns stop and the mustache starts. That's the best, I feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. It's like, fuck it, you don't need anything on your chin. You just need something to keep all your lip and your jawline warm. Well, so. well, see, the reason why you have no hair on your chin is because you want to make sure that the pussy you're fighting against knows exactly where to hit. Like, come on, try it. <laughs> you just, like, drew it. Like, 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 you put your target right there. It's like, I'm daring you to attempt to hit me right here. Right in the dimple. Go for it. Huh? Sweet. Um, all right, so I guess it's me. Uh, my pick is Huntmaster of the Fells. Oh. I've been, like, waiting for an excuse to pick up another copy of this guy for years, or just play him. Like, he's just been sitting around since Innistrad, doing nothing. He's still, like, 14 bucks, too. Who the fuck is yep. playing this guy? I mean, I think, doesn't see modern play? Isn't that the deal? Or I don't know. Or something? Um, I am allergic to other formats, I Fair can enough. tell you. Um... Um, so anyway, Huntmaster of the Fells, uh, he is a 2-2 for 4. He's not really bringing it on the, on that one, but no one's playing him for that anyway. He's a two-colorless, a red and a green, human werewolf, duh. Uh, whenever this creature enters the battlefield or transforms into Huntmaster of the Fells, put a 2-2 green wolf creature token onto the battlefield and you gain two life. At the beginning of your each each upkeep, rather, if no spells were cast last turn, transform Huntmaster of the Fells. And of course, he flips over into Ravager of the Fells, Whist Trample. He's a four-four. Whenever this creature transforms into Ravager of the Fells, it deals two damage to target opponent and two damage to up to one creature that player controls. At the beginning of each upkeep, if a player casts two or more spells last turn, transform Ravager of the Fells. So. He makes wolves, he damages stuff. Maybe he'll like take out a little mana dork. Maybe he'll give you two life. Hey, no. Um, My only problem for him is is that kind of wish that he had some flavor text. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I understand there's no room for it, but in the back of my head when he flips over, the only thing that comes to mind is like on the front side, it's, I'm just going to say it. Like on the front side, it would say something like, fuck you, dot, dot, dot. And in the back side, it says, and the horse you rode in on. (laughs) <laughs> he's gonna punch you like just a mean ass Davy Crockett like yeah, out gonna... there like if Davy Crockett was a werewolf I feel like he'd be the huntsmaster of the fells yeah you know? like, he's gonna hit you and he's gonna hit the horse you rode in on <laughs> yep like he doesn't Fuck care both. Yep. That's straight man <laughs> run right up to you and just punch your Steve right in his jaw I mean, I think the last time that I was on with Clay I made some kind of case for why this wasn't that impressive of a card to me in which case, I got very schooled very quickly. Uh, so I, I have nothing to say other than, yes, I am con- I am sold on this card now. <laughs> I know, isn't it sad? I mean, before I, I fucked up the audio on that last one, um, so I'm still going to blame MP3 Skype recorder for it, but whatever. Um, yeah, Clay had made a very impassioned defense of Huntmaster of the Fells, and I can't remember any of it right now. I remember I was impressed. Um, yeah, it was it was totally like, well, yes, you should play that card. We're wrong entirely. Yeah, yeah. 
I kind of, I don't know. Now I kind of feel like, uh, like Bill and Ted, like after they came back out of the phone booth, they're like, oh, Socrates made a really good point. What was it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Adam, what's your next pick? Well, let's go with Emerwolf. Oh, sweet. Look, I made my own segue. <laughs> so, um, the best part of Emerwolf is that when you translate it into German, it's still Emerwolf. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, it makes sense. It's always Immerwolf. That's right. Uh, so Immerwolf is a one colorless and gruel wolf 2-2 with Intimidate. Uh, other wolf and werewolf creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Uh, non-human werewolves you can control can transform. So this is kind of good and bad. I mean... The stronger side of most of your werewolves are, you know, I mean, it's obviously great that they can't transform back. However, you do lose out on triggers, you know, like part of the part of the good part of, you know, like Ulrich and Huntmaster is being able to flip them back and forth and them getting bonuses every time that happens. So having Emerwolf out, you have, you don't have that, but you can keep all your big sides of your werewolves. Plus, you get a little bit of a pump. Um I do, uh, I mean, I think this card is good. I don't know why I'm just putting anthems in for all my stuff, but, uh, the, the not having them transform, you know, you can play some of the more vanilla ones. Like, hey, this is a 2-2 two, two that turns into a 6-5. Alright, well. Yeah. You know, now it's a little bit bigger and it's never gonna switch back. So, a little bit of value. I mean, if you, you were gonna build a werewolf deck, I think you'd have to include something like Immerwolf. Like, I think he's just a really solid card, you know? Um, yeah. He's like, especially, you know, when you get the big beaters out, you don't want them to transform back. Right, right, exactly. So, yeah, I think he's perfect. He's a perfect pick. He's a good role player, you know? Immerwolf, you're on like the special team. You're, you're never gonna be, you're, you're like the best drummer, you know? Or maybe the best bassist, actually. Hey, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) I'm just saying, hey man, I used to play bass too. I'm just, you know, the girls weren't heading for us first. That's all I'm saying. That's, you know. <laughs> but you need the rhythm section. You know, you need it. Fuck those hey. three-man bands. Screw they they know whose fingers move. Yeah, exactly. I think the only bassist that ever got any loving was like Sting, and he sang. <laughs> His name was Sting, and he was on to that tantric shit. So you know, we got. I got nothing on that. Sure. Um, fair. So moving on, Calvin, you got another card for us. All right. So how many more cards do I get? Uh, I think we're let's we're running a little long, so let's do one more card each. Adam got two. You do one more. I'll do one more, and then we'll just leave the rest for the show notes. All right. So for that, what I'll do is I'm going to go with the card that I was going to go with earlier. It's not a werewolf. It doesn't have with werewolf theme, but it is a card that I found to be very useful in the werewolf deck, and that would be Five Alarm Fire. Hmm. It's a uh, red enchantment. I forget what the converted mana cost for it is. It's pretty good, like three. I'll pull like, it up. Colors in red or something like that. Yeah, it's but one color. It's two red. Yeah, but the important thing for fire alarm fire is the fact that when you have it, whenever you attack, you get plus it gets counters on it. And for those counters that it has on it, once it gains up to five counters, you can remove five counters to do five damage target creature or player. I believe, right? Uh, yes. But the creature you control has to deal combat damage. So. Yeah, but, in order is, to get the only, but the thing is, it has to deal combat damage, but that doesn't mean it has to deal combat damage to a player. It's true. Yeah, you're That's right. True. If your yep. creatures yep. get into a fight and they hit somebody else and they decide to block, you still get the counter. If the yep. creatures hit point. your opponents directly, you get a counter. It doesn't have to deal combat damage as per se, like, you know, hit them personally. It just has mm-hmm. to, you know, get involved in a fight. 
And the it's best true. part about it is, is like those counters add up pretty quickly. And since it's an enchantment with an effect, okay. and because it's an enchantment, you can continuously use the ability on it to burn stuff without having to worry about accidentally casting a second or third spell that could potentially flip your wolves the wrong directions. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Alright, so um, my last card and last card for the segment is going to be Master of the Wild Hunt. Now, important to note, not Master Ooh. of the Hunt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because totally that's really, different. Two totally yeah. different cards. <laughs> yeah. Master of the Hunt's a really shitty card out of Legends. So don't play one that sucks, one. One yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Um, this one is like 14 bucks. If you think you found like a $2 deal on it, you're, you're looking at the wrong set. Um, so anyway, Master of the Wild Hunt, in addition to having the most fucking metal hat in all of Magic. I mean, <laughs> look at the horns sticking out. It was like moose horns on like a metal hit, like, Metal skull cap with with the bitchin' beard. Oh, this guy's awesome. Um, but anyway, he's a three three for four, two colorless and two green. Um, he's a human shaman. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a two two green wolf creature token onto the battlefield, and then you can tap him to tap all untapped wolf creatures you control. Each wolf tapped this way deals damage equal to its power to target creature. That creature deals damage equal to its power divided as its controller chooses among any number of those wolves. So, Hunt the Master of the Wild Hunt, or Master of the Wild Hunt, rather, is a, a dude I just end up putting in a lot of, a lot of decks. Like, derpy green decks, token decks, um, like. Decks that just need lots of bodies. Yeah, you know, I mean, anything kind of pop out a bunch of wolves. Um, yeah, he's pretty, he's pretty sweet, man. So, uh, and especially in a werewolf deck, and we brought this up in the first, the first episode that totally died. Um, so in the first round, we had talked about how a werewolf deck is really probably going to be like a werewolf and a wolf deck, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just it, one of those things, like, it's, they're inseparable, you know? It's like, it's like chocolate and peanut butter. Like, you just can't pull them apart. Um, so, um, anything that, that kind of plays off the number of wolves you have, I think is going to be an asset in a deck like this. And also, like, you get to fight shit with your wolves. Actually, you get to sick your wolves on dudes. Yeah. We're just, yeah. What more do you want, people? Shit. And, and here's the parts about Master of the Wild Hunt that I find to be the most interesting. Like, when you tap them and your wolves do decide to go off to do all their damage, just dog pile on top of whatever you sick them on. There's no restriction to what you sick them. Yep. Yeah. It's not like it's not like anything. you're like, oh, your opponent has an Emrakul. Oh, Emrakul is too big and it has flying. These wolves don't give a fuck. Somehow these wolves <laughs> magically like find a ladder and you get the right amount of wolves. You get the right amount of wolves and a tall enough building, mm-hmm. and they will run upside of that building and jump right on the Emrakul's back, tear that Eldrazi shred. Damn straight. Fuck, who cares? You do that as flying? I can shit about right. you flying. Like, they, like, the only way that, they, you, that your opponent's creatures can get away from you, right? they have a creature that's just big enough to survive your wolf mauling with, like, a pump spell or something. Or the only thing, have something that just can't be, like, targeted. The only thing that could make this card better is if you took the word wild out of its title and it made 1-1 one, one tokens with bandit. Oh. Uh, <laughs> no. No, that's nope, not. Nope. no, no, no. <laughs> Everybody go, go, play, go buy your copy <laughs> spec on Master of the Hunt. Not Wild Hunt. Mm. Spec on Master mm. of the Hunt right now. Mm. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I'm the last person who's gonna, you know, 
say don't go buy derpy shit from Legends, but don't go buy that fucking derpy card from Legends. Fair enough. You know? What's that, what's that weird, like, satyr that, like, you tap them and you get gain control of legendary creatures? Like, that one's pretty sweet. You can buy him from Legends, you know? There's some pretty good cards from Legends. Yeah. I mean, there's an awful lot of shit, too. Like, Master of the Here's a hint. If it says banding or rampage, don't fucking bother. But the rest, yeah, knock yourself out. Wolf's on a plane. Ooh, a snake version of Master of the Wild Hunt. Yeah, we're, we're moving on. Outro it is! Gents, um, we have come to the end of another fun-filled Mandercast episode. Sorry to say, but we have to leave you. It's okay. It was gonna happen, you know. It's gonna happen inevitably. Uh, yeah, good things don't last forever. But we'll be here again next week. Uh, but until then, uh, let's go through the outro first. Uh, let's start with guest Adam. If people want to get a hold of you, if they want to tell you about their hot uh, Master of the Hunt finds. That they got <laughs> at like a like a tag sale over the weekend. Where can they reach you? Well, if everyone can afford those, they must be at least a hundred dollars now because reserve list. But uh, please tell me about it. Uh, I am at Squire nine 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 on the Twitters, and you can shoot me an email at Squire one MTG at gmail dot com. Sweet, Calvin. People want to hit you up with their interpretation of Garrick's backstory. Uh, where are they going to get you? So if people want to contact me and sit back and, like, stand thick over what we think Garrett should do, you can easily hit me up on Twitter, at Captain Red Zone, or you can hit me up on email and Gmail at CaptainRedZone at gmail.com. Sweet. And if anyone wants to tell me about all the horrible things they've done to their friends with math and hypnotist, uh, you can hit me up at um, MahlerMA gmail.com. And, yeah, I don't do any Twitters or social media. Sorry, people. Um, but Clay and Rachel's emails are also in the show notes. And if you just want to shoot something out to all of us, um, hit us up at CommanderCast at gmail.com or at our Twitter at CommanderCast. Uh, be sure to check out our CommanderCast Facebook, too. Uh, you can also leave us a review on iTunes, and we'll read off any five-star reviews on air. Uh, and if you like what we do here, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, unfortunately, unlike everything else on the web, hosting things on a website are, is not free. Uh, but we really su- uh, appreciate your support. So you guys are all fantastic. And we'll see you next week with more community, strategy, and technology. Until then, let's get it!
check that shit out. It actually... Because, like, okay. while you guys are gone, then I might just, you know, say some random stuff in the background. Sweet. All right. Well, and you're recording, you know, man. Say some random shit, you know? <laughs> you got that slash fake brewing for Garrick. Let's, uh... I don't really want to hear one for Jace. I don't give a shit about Jace. I really but, hate Jace. Like, yeah. he seems like the most annoying character ever. He is. Yeah. He's, like, emo for no reason. I'm like, good why, with Liliana. Why would you be emo if you can read everybody's mind? Then you could the know how much they hate like, you? Like, over to... What is it, um... Hilarian Community College. It's a video yeah. website. Oh, I love that dude. Yeah. Yeah. He had a video where he compared like Urza and Jace, and I was like, ah, I see what Jace's problem is. He's so young, but he's like an adult. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. I really like that guy's channel. He's a really cool um, series of videos. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely more for the like, you know, kind of like the newcomers to the game. I think that that seems like what it's what it's targeted at, but yeah, yeah. I mean, he puts out a, a consistent product. Yep, I definitely think so. I really like when he does, um, like, not even so much like the set reviews and whatnot, uh, but when he breaks down like the best deck box or the best deck right, sleeves. Right. Like, he does a really good job with that. Like, so, I don't know. I've been kind of impressed. Anyway, I'm gonna get something to drink. Yep, um, yep. Yeah, the yep. the floor is yours, Calvin. Sure thing. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, currently the floor is mine, which means that Mark has currently ran off to go get water and rehydrate himself. So I now have several minutes to just go right ahead and tell you gentlemen and women out there some various things about magic and commander that you may or may not love and or care about. Like, so the topic that I'm going to do real quick right now that I'm going to discuss is going to be, let's see, just talking magic. Let's just start with some weird, okay? Because that's something that I know a bit more about than just basically cars off the top of my head. So if we're going to be discussing weird lore and things that I personally don't fully get about magic, I'm going to go with, hmm, let's go with Jace, because Mark doesn't want me to talk about it. So we're going to go with Jace. See, Jace Beller, and he is a planeswalker. He has gone from multiverse to multiverse, and he has this tendency to have his mind wiped. Now, while granted, he is probably one of the most powerful planeswalkers that we currently have in our storyline and lore base, because quite frankly, I don't really see any issues that he couldn't just solve with a quick mind wipe or using some type of mental manipulation. If you've got a 7-foot-tall, 348-pound man pushing you up against the wall telling you he's going to murder you, and you have the option to change mind and make him something else, like put him tutu and go dance in the corner, I don't understand why you would do so. Yet, for some reason, Jace chooses not to, for whatever reason. Now, this is one of those weird corner case areas for a planeswalker to be in, because at a point where Jace is... Technically, he has the power to do what he wants and could do whatever he wants, or he's described to be this very powerful figure, but then doesn't ever really do anything with said power. And this is a character flaw that I've always found to be a problem. I compare it to the Superman flaw, where Superman is a comic book character who has all these powers, all these abilities, and he can do basically whatever he wants, but his stories become boring because he's super powerful and can do whatever he wants. But then in the end section, if you do do anything to take away his powers or diminish them, then he just seems kind of pointless or kind of redundant or the idea of what he's doing is just kind of stupid because he could have solved the issue this way. Why didn't he do it that way? If I could think of it, I'm pretty sure the most powerful man in the universe could have done it himself. And this is a category where Jace has a tendency to fall as far as magic storyline goes. Because there's large portions of times where Jace could have easily fixed this problem or taken care of this issue. But for whatever reason, storyline, we have to weaken him so the story can continue. You can't just have Jace just show up and save the day and walk off. 
because you know that's not interesting but then in the same token if you don't include him then people are wondering where the hell was he all this time anyway uh, best, way to, example, hmm? best way to fix jace's story have right. chandra light a fire and he can go die in it well see i would say that the best way to fix jace's story is if they went with the whole mind wiping concept of having his mind wiped that his powers or his mental capacity of using his mind magic is locked away within it. Mm. So, some, yeah. Yeah, something along the lines of, say, I don't know, like, let's just say, like, Jace's ultimate powers is only unlocked during periods where he's unconscious. Let's awesome. see here. Because, like, Facebook status, there's William, but Rachel, uh, like, sorry, I'm still in the process of mentally making the transition because I have this whole spiel memorized and it's kind of difficult for my brain to <laughs> jump from one name to the next when referring to the same person. So I'm going to do that part over again. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's wrong to refer to Arch Enemy by my new favorite metaphor of a hot dumpster fire. Ooh, like, that, 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 that's a little bit more, like, <laughs> unnecessarily rough for Arch Enemy. I'm pretty sure, oh, I don't uh, know, man. Is it too much to say that, that Arch Enemy is the most hated of all the, like, secondary formats that they've tried? Can you think of another one? Are we talking about official ones? Yeah. I mean, I guess unofficial. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. There's too, I hate, there's I too hate many. I hate Tiny Leader as much as I hate Arch Enemy. Ooh, but, that's a ooh. good one. There's probably a small section of the Commander Cast audience just taken aback by that one. Well, that is true. I, I know that there are some people with some strong love for that. Uh, I was I was hoping Tiny Leaders died, Adam. So I was like, haven't heard about it in a while. So I was hoping like it secretly just like crawled off in a corner and expired. See, now I'm gonna have to think about that. Is there another format that people hate worse than RCN? Like, what is the most hated format of Magic? I mean, I mean I'll, be, I'll be honest, I actually hate Plane Chase more than Arch Enemy. Really? Last yeah. Wow. See, I yeah. thought, like, Plane Chase was, like, a crowd favorite. Every time I've ever played Plane Chase, I cannot get through more than, like, two people's turns without the plane switching. And it's just, it just seems like the most chaotic thing ever. Like, it doesn't matter what your deck actually plans to do, because it is completely irrelevant to Plane Chase. Like, you hope that something might stick around for a turn or two. Plane Chase gives zero fucks about your game plan. Exactly. Yeah. There we go. Oh, that, that is a valid, that, that totally is valid. Plane Chase really could not give us about what the game plan was. Nope. There's plenty of times they're like, yeah, I'm gonna play this punishment bear hug deck and take away everybody's resource so they can't yeah. have mana and just happen <laughs> to show up on the plane where it's like everybody starts their turn with like 10 mana each. Yeah. What's the stasis plane? Was there a stasis one? Oh, that sounds... Evil. It was in, like, the original plane chase. Oh, yeah, I remember. I know what you're talking yeah. about. That oh. one fucking sucked ass. Oh, was that? It's like, like Aether something? Uh, it's always uh, something Aether. What was it? Eon? Aether. Yeah, maybe Aether or Eon. It's one of those weird things where, like, the A and the E are, like, stuck together. I don't it's know. It's like... Whoa! Like, really? Yeah, that's the name of the character. H. Holy shit, I'm an English teacher and I didn't know that. Uh, you know, I pick up weird things here and there. <laughs> that's awesome! Aish? It's like you have an Aish up your hole? Or an Aish up your sleeve? Wow. They actually said they're getting rid of that in Magic. Oh good. What? That's a fucking nightmare. In, uh, yeah. Yeah, because, because like the, the next, super uh, what is it? After Kaladesh, it's Aether something is the name of the set. Mm-hmm. And I think they just got tired of like printing different fonts with the H, so they, they decided to get rid of it altogether. So it's just gonna be an actual A and E now. 
Wow. I learned so much from this podcast. <laughs> well, now's was a good time as any to rock on into community. So, let's hit it. I've always wanted to make, like, Hellbent work. Were there, like, five Hellbent Oh, my God, cards? yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it was alright and limited, but, man, th- I don't think that, I don't think that's a thing in EDH. <laughs> no, that's, that's so not a thing. Like, a I, I, can, I can tell you right now that Hellbent is not a thing. I've tried it. <laughs> Oh, you oh shit! Did you did you roll the one with nothing out there? No, no, no. Oh, that's because well, well, the reason for it was because that was back a long time ago. To any listeners who decided they want to go into Commander Cast archives, when I was going through the guilds of Ravnica, uh, and I was looking to see how their previous mechanics from the first Ravnica block lined up with the new mechanics. So I had to combine, what was it, uh, a blood rush? No, no, bloodthirst, I think it was. No, bloodthirst oh, yeah. was red green. What did Bloodthirst was red green, and then Rakdos was hellbent. Yeah, but like Rakdos was hellbent, but they had another one. The one where like the creature comes in with the plus, with the plus one, plus one counter, but he can't block. That's bloodthirst. Yeah, so yeah, so oh, I no, had no, to... no, that's unleashed. Unleashed. Yeah, oh, yeah, unleashed. There we go. So it was like I was playing a red black deck with hellbent and unleashing included in it. <laughs> Ooh, Jesus. <laughs> So not really, yeah, not really the funnest of times, and not real. I'm I'm pretty sure it was probably one of the weaker combinations for what they had. Ooh, yeah. yeah, that's definitely to be filed under. Looked better on paper. Rakdos no, usually look, gets screwed on paper. Either way, I just one of those things is like I've always is like I've committed to this. I thought it was a good idea. It seemed to work perfectly fine when I started it with um Celestia, like populate. With the original mechanic where they had like, uh, what was it? Tokens, I think it was. No, Populate was the tokens and the other one was... Con, con, con something? Convoke. Convoke. That there was actually we. okay. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, like, yeah, like I get to Populate and I get to Convoke and that, that came out pretty well. I was like, okay, good. And then I tried like Azorius and I was like, okay, uh, uh, what was it? Fortcast with, uh, Detain. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, no, no, not perfect, but you know, like they, they do synergize. Like, okay, maybe Wizards was paying attention. Eventually I got the Rakdos and I was like, oh, okay, guess they, <laughs> nope. uh, I, well, you know, guess I must have just like got the right ones at the right time. Now I'm just stuck with the jank. Now what if they did, like, I bet you could make Hellbent work if it was blue. Like even if it was Demir colored, I bet you could make oh, Hellbent God. blue. You know? Cause you'd be drawing so many cards, you could just toss your fucking hand away. But you can't do that with Rakdos. But I mean, the benefits have to be so much better. Like that, that's the problem. Like all the Hellbent things were like, this thing gets first strike when I have no cards in my hand. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's a game yeah. winner. Yep. Like, hey, if you have no cards in your hand, this mana dork makes colored mana instead of colorless. Yeah. So that's things. Like I'm pretty sure Hellbent can work. Just. Sometimes I just don't know what you guys. Yeah. Like so many good ideas, and then and then sometimes it's just straight up garbage. Yep. Well, as soon as they see red in any combination, they're like, mm, "Don't know how to design anymore." No, 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 no. They've they've done pretty well with red in the past. Like hey, they, red, like red and white works pretty well. Red and blue, no problem. Red, green. I mean, you don't think work. that Boros has been kind of crapped on by Wizards a tiny bit? It was at a point, <laughs> and I feel as though that they're doing the best that they can to make amends for that. <sighs> Like the best they can. Come on, man, Munda. Right, like you know, <laughs> mistakes are made. Mistakes continue to be made, like, man. Like, Munda. 
Like, I feel like this. Monday, Monday yes, fully, under, fully understand. Monday is a problem and is horrible. But you have to then remember that Monday came after a certain point where we've already had, what was it, Sella. We've got Brian Stoutarm. We've then had, what was the other red-white one they came out after? Man, they did, like, Giant Tribal in the last pre-con. That was so bad. Oh Fucking Giant Tribal? So like, it was the one that I ran like, in my group, and it's so bad. Oh. Like, like the commander for that one was fine. The deck itself was the problem. Yeah, that, but that's what I mean. Like, ugh, I just ugh. Come on, giant yes. tribal colony was actually fine. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, the I rest will... of it was hot garbage. Oh. Well, anyway, which <laughs> the horrors that have been inflicted upon Rakdos and Boros uh, would would make a good strategy segment or community segment in and of itself. So let's move on before we get too deep into this. Um, all right, so.